for watered down preaching. It's alright if it steps on my toes. I don't care if you're weak gospel singing. Let the holy hallelujahs roll. I'll join in with the saints as they're praying. That's all good. We'll be in the book of Jonah this morning. We was there last week, and uh, I've taught the book of Jonah, I don't know how many times, but a lot of them, maybe, maybe as many as six or eight times, verse by verse, and we just finished it in Sunday school this morning after uh, several lessons this, uh, through that, and we just finished it and closed it out. But the book of Jonah is one of those hard books to find in the Old Testament. And it's towards the back of your Old Testament. You've got to kind of turn to Matthew there and hang a left, and you'll start finding those little bitty books. As a matter of fact, I hadn't even found it yet. And, uh, but it's in there because I read out of it this morning, so I know it's there. But in Jonah chapter number 4, I preached an Easter message last Sunday out of Jonah. And uh, the Lord's been giving me messages. And what I was saying is I've taught Jonah many times, but I've never really gotten many messages from Jonah. But now I'm getting all kinds of messages from it. And that happens sometimes, and that's, that's all right. And this message is about Jonah, but it's really not about Jonah. It's about us, and, and I hope it's going to be a help here today. That's my prayer. 
Amen. But we're glad you're here. It's good. And Gethsemane Baptist Church, place to be. I had a guy come a while back and, and I said, man, we're glad to have you. And he said, well, I've just heard this is the place to be. I said, well, yeah. I hadn't heard that, but I like that. But I have now. I heard a guy tell me that. So anyway, this is the place to be. And the reason it's the place to be is because you're here and because the Lord's here. That makes it the place to be. The book of Jonah, chapter number 4, and as I've been teaching Jonah, Jonah uh, is a prophet. And there's four little chapters. And in that book, God calls Jonah to go and preach to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah doesn't, Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. I said Jonah, didn't I? Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. And the reason he doesn't want to go to Nineveh, those are heathen people. And Jonah, he's a Jewish man. And man, he didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach to those people because they were their enemies. And he thought, man, if I preach to those people, they'll get right with God and God won't destroy them. I, don't want, I just don't want to go. But you get reading about that and there's old Jonah. And, and man, he doesn't go. And when he doesn't go, he gets on a ship going the opposite direction. And God prepares a great fish that he calls a whale. And that whale swallows up Jonah. They throw Jonah overboard and it swallows him up. And he's three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. And Jonah gets to praying down there and gets right with the Lord. And when he gets right, after three days and three nights, that, that whale spit Jonah up on dry land. And Jonah went to Nineveh and did what God asked him to do at that point. As a matter of fact, if you'd been sitting in the stomach acid of a whale for three days and three nights, and God said, now... I'd say, whatever you say, <laughs> yes, I'm excited about doing what I don't want to do all of a sudden. And man, Jonah went there and had seaweed probably wrapped around his head and smelled like fish and it felt, smelled like a fish market. And I mean, it was probably terrible. He looked apart. You could imagine what his clothes looked like. And there came Jonah and went into that city and got to preaching. And when he got preaching, he preached a little eight-word message and he said, yet eight days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And anyway, he got done, and the king got, gets off his throne, and he says, maybe we ought to fast and beg God. Maybe he'd forgive us if we'd ask him. And they put a citywide fast over a million people. And they made the animals fast. I mean, these people meant business. You start making the animals and the, and the cattle fast, they lose weight, and they're not worth as much money. And they don't feed as many people. But here's, old, here's those people. They're getting right. And Jonah gets mad at the Lord because the Lord doesn't destroy them. And so now he's mad. And in Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1, it said, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord. And said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled. This is the reason I fled and didn't go before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. And repentest thee of the evil. Eleven times in the Bible we read where God repented in the sense that he changed his mind and didn't destroy somebody or whatever. Eleven times. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it's better for me to die than to live. He said, just kill me right now. Then said the Lord, look what the Lord said to Jonah in verse 4. Doest thou well to be angry? He said, Jonah, doest thou well to be angry? When I think about Jonah, he didn't do well to be angry. Just think about him for a minute. Jonah had the call of God on his life in chapter number 1. I mean, there's a lot of people who would like to have God's call on their life and know what God would have for them to do. And not only did he have God's call and he knew that he was a prophet from God, God sent him somewhere to preach. I mean, that's a preacher's dream. It's one thing to get called into the ministry and once you say, okay, I'll do it and I'm in. And it's another thing when God says, all right, here I'm going to send you then. 
And man, he sent him to a place. He said, all right, I got a place for you. And the place you're going to go, man, there could be a great potential. Wouldn't that be something? I came here 21, over 21 years ago now. And before I came, Brother Hubert Lee was here one year. And Brother Lee stopped by my office in Bald Knob, Arkansas. And anyway, I think the mayor from Bald Knob, Arkansas will be here next Sunday. He told me he's coming. They're all wanting to see what God's done up here. You better be here next Sunday. Bring somebody with you. And anyway, and his, his dad was my high school principal. Man, we got along great, believe it or not. <laughs> and I wasn't a preacher back in those days, and we still got along great. <laughs> but anyway, he was, he was gracious too. But I'll say this. Oh, Jonah, man, he had an offer. And, and, and Brother Lee said, I, he stopped by our office that day, and I said, where are you at? He said, I just took a church in Walnut Ridge. He said, we don't got but about 12 people. But he said, there's a lot of potential. That's what he told me. I'll never forget that. Well, let me tell you something. I don't think we've tapped into the potential yet. God's been good to this church and good to our community, and we're thankful for the Lord. Jonah had the call of God on his life. Man, he had an opportunity. You wouldn't think he would get mad. Then you find where Jonah went AWOL, and he ran from the Lord. And in chapter number 2, you read about the forgiveness of God in his life. Can you imagine that? I mean, Jonah said, no, I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to do it. And man, uh, they, he's, and, and he's about to die in a ship. And they say, what are you doing? You're sleeping down here. Call on your God so we don't die. And he said, I'm the problem. Just throw me overboard and everything will be all right and I'll just die. I mean, three times he tried to die in the book of Jonah. He said, throw me overboard. And they threw him overboard and a great fish came that God had prepared and swallowed him up. He got in that fish. You know he thought he was a goner by then. I mean, you get swallowed by a whale and you start thinking, this is about over. If I'm going to pray, I better do it quickly. And Jonah began to pray and get right. And God forgave Jonah. He had the forgiveness of God. Now you've got to be able to, somebody's got to be able to testify with me this morning. Surely you've been in a place in your life where you got away from God, even though God gave you blessings in your life and you were doing wrong. But aren't you glad for the forgiveness of God? Hasn't he been good to you? You ought to be glad he's good to you this morning. Man, he's been good to me. I know that. And then Jonah, we read in chapter 3, he had the touch of God on him. I mean, it's one thing to be God's man. And God called him. I mean, God's using... I mean, you say, well, there's lots of preachers. You don't have a... Yeah, but they don't have a book in the Bible named after them. This guy does. I mean, this is like Bible preachers. This is bigger right here, man. And here's old Jonah. And it's one thing to be called by God. And it's one thing to be backslidden. And then he gets forgiven. But then he gets God's touch back on him. An entire city got right. I've been here 21 years, and Walnut Ridge ain't all right yet. I mean, we love our city. We like Walnut Ridge. We love Oxy. We love Jonesboro, Pocahontas, Paragould, all the, Dono, all the little towns in between, this way, that way, Tuckerman, all over the place. We got people here, Smithville, in Bowdoin this morning, Black Rock. Man, we got people driving Maynard over there. We got people from all over, and we're grateful for what we have. But the truth is, we hadn't converted everybody here. Man, but Jonah preached, and all he preached was an eight-word message. That's a congregation's dream. A preacher gets up and says, I just have eight words for you this morning. They go, praise the Lord, I'm coming back here next Sunday. <laughs> We're going to meet the Methodists to lunch today. Amen. And man, he preaches eight words, and he says, yep, 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Puts his Bible down and walks out. Puts the microphone down and says, I'm out of here. And buddy, they listen to that. They said, I've never heard a preacher preach such a short message in my life. Good grief. We might ought to get right. And they got right with God and they converted. I mean, a million people got right. He had the touch of God. You say, well, what about it? But he was angry. It doesn't even make sense. 
It makes no sense for Jonah to be angry after all that God had, did, had done in his life. Blows your mind. Did you know in the society we're living in, it seems like people are more angry than they've ever been? We're living in times where people just seem to be mad all the time. You're driving through traffic. I mean, you sit a red light, you better be ready to go. If you're playing through your phone and that light turns green, you're getting honked on like crazy. I mean, no lay on the horn. People are just mad all the time. It's craziness. We went to the zoo the other day, and I shouldn't even tell this, but we was at the zoo, and we had some others here at the zoo, several families, and the kindergarten from Walnut Ridge went to the zoo, and Elizabeth and I went with them, and uh, Sadie went, and a lot of these other kids in here went too, which is a blessing. And we went to the zoo, and there we were, and we're just standing there, and there's a whole bunch of us, Zach and all them standing there, and, and we're all standing there, and there's just like a circle of us, and we're talking, our kids are standing all there just talking and carrying, you know how kids are. And about that time, this man comes up, and he's just pushing a stroller. And we're on this pavement. I mean, we're in the zoo, and you can go this way or that way. I mean, we don't have the whole thing blocked or anything. He runs up, and he goes, huh, to our kids like that. Huh, huh. I mean, like, move out of my way. All he had to do was do like this right here and go, or do like that. No. I said, man, they're not moving. They're kids. Go around. You say, you say oh, yeah, I said it. I just say, why you got to be so mad all the time? They're in kindergarten. They're acting like they're in kindergarten, and you're acting like it too. Go around. <laughs> he went around. Is what he did. How hard is that? You can't make a kindergartner behave. So well, my, my kid acted up in church a little bit. Well, you know what? We're glad you got them in church. That's what kids do sometimes. Don't quit church over that. They're kids. But people are mad. When I was a boy, there's a TV show on. It's called The Incredible Hulk. You weren't even alive yet. Yeah. That's, how many of y'all remember that and was alive? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're with me. Whitney, did you just raise your hand? You wasn't alive either. <laughs> this is like 1979. And I sadly say I was alive. Anyway, but I was a kid. And anyway, there I was watching that. Chad, you remember that, don't you? Okay. David Banner is the main character. He turns into the Hulk. It's not a cartoon. Lou Ferrigno plays the Hulk. I mean, he is ripped. I mean, he's a big man. And he's in the Mr. Universe competitions, all this, and big tall guy and just ripped. And when David Banner turns into the Hulk, you know, his eyes turn green. They put green contacts in there. And all of a sudden his appearance changes and his clothes all rip. And he grabs a shirt, throws it off. And, and his pants are about that too far short, you know, now all of a sudden. And his feet are out there. And he, he's got these pants on. And, and rawr! He'll say. And anyway, there was a reporter that followed him around. They was trying. David Banner was this doctor. And he turns into the Hulk. But he didn't want to turn into the Hulk. But only when he got mad. And Mr. McGee would follow him around. And in the opening credits of the show, they had a little thing where they did the little theme to the show. And the opening credits, they had it. And there was David Banner. And he's talking to Mr. McGee. And he said, Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. He said, you won't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> Y'all may remember that, right? Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. And he's telling the truth because he turned into the Incredible Hulk. And they didn't like him when he was angry. Some people you ought to just leave alone. I was thinking about this. We was in a restaurant last night, and I was already thinking about it when I was doing this song. We was in a restaurant last night, and this song came on, Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> you know? I thought, you know what? That's what people ought to do is just be happy. That's the right thing to do. 
And I'm old enough to remember when that came out, too. Anyway, <laughs> there's plenty of things people ought to be mad about. But people aren't mad about those things. They're mad about the wrong things. And this morning, I want to preach just a short message. I'll say my introduction is my longest part. I want to preach a little message on, why are you so mad? Why are you so mad? Jonah was angry, the scripture says. I got another one coming, too, that's going to beat that title. But anyway, why are you so mad? And I'll say this morning, there's some things you should not get mad at. It's very simple, very easy to get. And pay attention, I'll give them to you, and we'll be done. We're going to do some baptizing. I'll say this morning, don't get mad at your church. I mean, in the day and time we're living in, don't get mad at your church. Whatever you do, don't get mad at your church. I was reading a Gallup poll uh, recently, and that Gallup poll said in 2020 is the first time in American history since they've been doing Gallup polls that less than half of the population said that they attend church on a regular basis. They said for six decades, 70 or more percent of the people claimed that they attended church every Sunday. For six decades, from 1930s to 1990s or up to 2000, almost 70% of the people said they attended church mainly on a weekly basis. And since 2000, we're down less than 50% for the first time in history. You say, what happened? Somebody got mad along the way. And let me just say, don't get mad at church. Church is what's holding this country together. We need more church, not less church. You ought to get in church is what you ought to do this morning. People get mad at church. You know, the church, when I think about the church, I think of good things, not bad things. But I saw a church today, somebody had posted, and it was a church in South Carolina, and it says, drag me to church, and there's a drag queen on the front, and the drag queen's going to be appearing for all the little kids at church. Let me tell you something, that's sickening is what that is. That don't belong in church. That's not church. That guy on MSNBC, he said, if Jesus was alive today, he'd be a groomer. Shut your mouth is what I say. You're out of your mind to say, you leave him alone is what you ought to do. He's the savior of the world is what he is. He loves little children. He wouldn't misuse a child. We're living in crazy times. You say, how's that even happen? Because people don't go to church anymore. Thank God for you people, you're in church. But the average person in America, they don't go to church. We're in trouble. You get on social media and you'll see people critiquing their church and talking bad about their church. That shouldn't be going on. Hey, if you had a problem with your church, go talk to somebody about it. That ain't happening here. Thank the Lord. We're thankful for that. I'm, and it's not. And God's been good to us. But you see it all the time. And what you see is you're turning other people away from God when you do something like that. There are churches with problems, but that don't mean you've got to talk about it to everybody you know. Man, we ought to stand up and do rights what we ought to do. Don't get mad at your church. When I think about the church, I think about that's where I found Jesus. Man, I'm not getting mad at the place where I found Christ. I got happy at church. I mean, on Easter Sunday, when I was eight and a half years old, I got saved that night. What a blessing that was. Two Sundays later, I got baptized. What a blessing that was, too. See, it was at church that I found my wife. You said, at church? Yeah. I was an assistant pastor. She was working at Bud Creek Baptist Camps in Greer's Ferry, Arkansas. They said, we're going to have a golden year's retreat. All the older folks went. And they said, you can take them. You're the assistant pastor. I took them. She was the only person under 85 there other than me. I said, she, it's got to be a sign. That's why I told her anyway. She was pretty, and I had to try to talk her into something. Amen. I got her while she was young and dumb. So, she, you know, now she's 
smart, smart, and she's thinking, he's trying to start something down here. <laughs> Sorry, we'll ask you, escort you out of here. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, they get over there think, what was I thinking? Well, it's too late now, amen. <laughs> you say, what happened? I found her at church. We've raised our family in church. I mean, God has blessed us. We have a great time with church. My best friends go to church. You say, which church? This church. God's been good to us. Man, He's given us a group of people. We got older people. We got middle-aged people. We got young people. We got little kids. We got babies. I don't know how many babies we got on the way right now, but there's a whole bunch of them coming. I mean, God has been good to us. It's exciting what God's doing with our church. Whatever you do, don't get mad at the church. Man, God's been good, hasn't He? Don't get mad. I could say, why are you so mad? People get mad. You say, what happened? They get selfish. That's what happened to Jonah. He got selfish and he got mad is what happened to him. He started blocking people on social media. Can you imagine people in church blocking another person in church on social media? You're full of the devil. That's nuts. You just say, what in the world? And there's people in this room's done it. You're like, you're crazy. I'm preaching right now, I guess. I just stepped off into it. That's good preaching. Thank you, Brother Eric. That's good preaching. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I'll just keep on in. Let me just say something. Don't let things get in trouble. Stay in church. Don't get mad at your church. I think our church is a loving church. I think we care about people. I think we got a great thing going. We have other folks come to our church, and, and Brother Jerry and his family's here, and they'll be with us all week. And he's got a great church in Missouri, too, and so he can kind of relate with that. But you know, not everybody has a great church. And we'll have people come, they'll say, Man, we've never been to a church like this. People get along and have a good time. That's the way it's supposed to be in church. Let me say this don't get mad in your marriage. You say, Well, he beat me up. Well, he deserves to die, okay? I'll just give you that. <laughs> I can whip my wife. I, I, I'm just telling you, I can. You say, how do you know? I weigh 100. My, my, my daddy-in-law, when we got married, he said, son, you don't know this now. But he said, you better be glad you outweigh her by 100 pounds. <laughs> I wonder, I thought, what does he mean? Oh, that's what he meant. <laughs> and anyway, no, I can handle her. But I would wake up at night and I'd be tied to the bed with hot grease over my... And she'd do it. And the truth is, if you're a man beating your wife, you deserve it. I mean, what else can you say? Brother Hubert Lee, I was telling about earlier, he was the pastor here one year. He's an elderly man. He just died four or five years ago, something like that. And he was in his 90s. But when he was younger, he was a boxer in the Navy. Like his boxing, well, he was good at it. Man, he was winning. Anyway, he had a deacon... He had a, this not a deacon, he had a lady in church and she'd been coming, all of a sudden she quit coming. And he said, I wonder where she's at. And her husband never would come with her and come to find out her husband had been beating her. And they didn't know it. And she hadn't been in church because he'd broke her nose and her eye socket. I mean, it was bad. And he went over there to see her, to check on her. And he walked over there and her husband stepped out when he got out of the car and he said, get out of here, preacher. He said, well, I've come to check on your wife. I've heard she's hurt and I want to make sure she's okay. He said, you get out of here, I'll whip you, preacher. He said, no wife beaters ever whipped me. He said, get out of my way. I'm checking on your wife. And he moved. Most of those people are cowards anyway. You know what? That's just the way it is. It shouldn't be that way. You say, well, you said you could whip your wife. Yeah, I could beat a skunk to death with a shovel too, but it wouldn't be worth it, would it? Amen. <laughs> Let me just say something this morning. Don't get mad in your marriage. <laughs> Don't get mad in it. You say, but I wanted Barbie. Well, you're not exactly Ken. <laughs> Amen. 
You say, well, there's a lot of divorced people in this church. And you know what? We're glad you're here. Some of, some of our best members are divorced people. They teach classes. They do all kinds of things. We're not looking down on anybody for that. That's not even what we're talking about this morning. You just keep coming. We're glad that you're here. May God bless you. But you folks that are married, try, to, try, to, try not to get mad in your marriage. You say, well, he's dumb. He does stupid things. Well, that might be true. <laughs> I'm not going to say that's not true. You don't understand what he says. Well, I, under, I know, I know. I live that life. Amen. Men are just dumb. That's the way it is. Sometimes you just got to be careful. But don't be like that one lady, though. She went to the doctor. She said, my husband's got anger issues. And she went to the doctor, and she said, man, he's so mad all the time. What can I do? He said, well, the next time he has one of these episodes where he gets so mad, you go in the kitchen, and you get get to the faucet and you get you a glass of water and you pour that glass and you fill it up with the water and when he walks in there screaming at you you just take that water and you put it in your mouth and just swish it around and swish it around until he quits she goes you really think that'll work he said just try it she went in there and she got that glass of water she put it in her mouth she swished it around and swished it around until all of a sudden he just quit he went out. She went back to the doctor and she said, Doctor, it works, but I don't have any idea how that works. What, how's me swishing water around in my mouth get him where he's not mad? He said, you're not talking anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Do we got to exit back this way anywhere? I don't know. We're about to make one. Amen. <laughs> we need a contractor really quickly. You say, why are you so mad? Don't get mad in your marriage. I'm joking, lady. I'm just playing. Don't get, but you know what? People get mad. Most of the time when people get mad, it's over nothing. It's over nothing, really. It's stupid things, both sides. It's both, it takes two people to get mad. It's just the way it is. But I think it's never been harder for married people than it is right now. It takes two incomes. It ta- it's go, go, go. It's just something all the time. I mean, life is not easy. There's no doubt about it. Life can be hard. You say, and the devil doesn't want you together anyway. You say, well, we, do. we just got to do right and try to not to get too mad in our marriage. Let me say this one. Don't get, don't, don't get mad at your preacher. I like that. I'm enjoying this one right here. <laughs> or your evangelist this week. We got two evangelists coming. And be starting in tonight. Don't get mad at them. I mean, everybody wants to straighten out the preacher, you know. I mean, it's not always easy. It's just the way it is, you know. Uh, you say, well, is, you think it's hard to straighten out the preacher. Well, ask my wife. We've been married 20-something years. It ain't easy. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard. I, I was in a place the other day, and I was sitting there, and, 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 I, and, and I thought these guys were sitting beside me at this table, and they looked like good old boys. And I was sitting there eating, and, and I thought, I'll, I'll talk to them about the Lord a little bit. And I was sitting there, and about that time, that one said, where's the preacher at today? Another one said, I don't know. I think he moved or something. I said, there it is. I said, well, I'm a preacher. That's so simple. And he goes, well, good, where do you preach at? And I told him, Gethsemane Baptist. He goes, oh, man, we've heard of that church. That's great. We go to a church, too, and they just tell me about their church, and they go to a little country church, and they was excited about it, and it's just good, you know. And anyway, and we was having a good conversation, and then walked this man. And I'd seen him before. He, he can't stand me. I go, what's he doing in here? He sits down with those guys. And about that time, that guy I've been talking to, he's so friendly. He said, I think the Lord come back pretty soon. The way things are going, don't you, preacher? I said, yeah, it sure looks like it, doesn't it? And that man goes, we're in the sixth trumpet right now. I thought, man, I feel like I'm in a funeral home now. I don't even know if I want dessert or not. He said, the fifth trumpet was Kuwait. I was thinking, that ain't in the Bible. I've read my Bible through. 
probably 75 times. That ain't in there. <laughs> and anyway, you get, look at that. And I say, and I said, well, I, I said, you know what I'm looking for, or listening for? He said, what? Well, I said, I'm listening for that last trump myself. He goes, you probably won't hear it. Not meaning I wouldn't go. He's just saying, like, I don't know my Bible, you know, and I'm not saying I know it. I just know it better than he does. But anyway, and I said, uh, well, I said that a trump is the sound a trumpet makes. And I said, the last trump is the sound a trumpet makes. And the Lord says, and the trumpet shall sound. And I went through some other things. I said, you know, sir, I said, I just believe that book right there. And that book says I'm going to hear it. I believe I'm going to hear it. I really don't care what anybody else says about it. And that other old boy that's sitting there, he goes, that's right. If the book says it, that's what it is. Man, that guy said, he just got back to eating. I thought, and then I left and I thought, I wonder what he said after I left. I waited like five minutes. I thought, I'll only let him go ahead and get it out right now. And he wouldn't do it, but I bet he's still talking bad about me. <laughs> but you know what? If the book says it, that's just the way it is. Maybe we shouldn't get mad at the preacher. I mean, if the book says it, we got to go with the book. It doesn't change anything. It's the Word of God is what it is. I mean, sometimes you get like Mike Tyson on an airplane, you just get tired of being harassed. You know? <laughs> That's all right. I endorse him. <laughs> Throw a water bottle and hit him and everything else. How stupid can you be? Mike Tyson, leave him alone. <laughs> you know he's crazy. He bit a guy's ear off. Leave him alone. People don't have any sense, do they? I think about Brother Ronnie Gates back there. That's not with us today. And Sister Carolyn's back there. That's his sister. And Ronnie and Carolyn, they first came from Tuckerman. And when, they first, when, I, when I first got to know them, I thought, I wonder if they're married. No, they ain't married. They're brother and sister. And man, they did everything together. You want to talk about two nice people. And Ronnie passed away. And, uh, and it's just sad. Ronnie, there he was. And, and Ronnie went to sleep the other night with his CPAP on. And when they found him, he still had it on. It's still pumping, but he wasn't there. I thought, ain't that something? He went to sleep with that CPAP on, and he woke up in heaven. That's the way to go if you got to do it. And Ronnie was, I mean, he sits there every Sunday right back there. And he's not with us now. But you know what Ronnie was? He was a preacher's friend. He'd send me, te- I got these texts, right? preach on, preacher. Man, that's good preaching today. And I'd walk back here, and I'd walk back here, and he'd be back here, and I'd be shaking hands or something. I'd walk back here, and he'd jump up, and he'd say, now you going to preach today? Man, that's the kind of people we need around here is the people like Ronnie. I mean, a friend of the preacher. Those are good kind of people. We're going to miss that guy now, but we ain't going to forget about him because we're going to see him again one of these days. Oh, I want to say this morning, don't get mad at your preacher. You say, you do some dumb stuff. I sure do, and you've got to forgive me if I do. I've forgiven all y'all for a lot of stuff too. <laughs> it's just part of it, ain't it? Don't get mad this morning. I just got one more thing to say. Don't get mad at your Savior. Whatever you do, don't get mad at your Savior. You know what? Jonah really didn't get mad at the people at Nineveh. He got mad at God. That's what happened. He said, I didn't even go over there and preach. The reason I fled from the get-go is because I knew you, God. I know how you are. Those people deserve to die. They're heathen. They're against your people. They do wrong. They're worshiping false gods. They're no good over there. They deserve to die. And he said, I knew if I went over there and preached, even though you said you was going to kill them and all that, I knew that if they got right, here you are, and you're so compassionate. Jonah needs a little of that himself, didn't he? And he said this, I knew that you're gracious. Let me ask you this morning, can anybody testify that God's been gracious? Hadn't he been good to us? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace is you getting something you don't deserve. That's what grace is about. People say, well, that was so-and-so over there. They ought to just... Bought. 
You know what? If it wasn't for the grace of God, all of us would be in the same shape. It's only by God's grace that He's been so good to us. It's only by His grace. And then He said, and I knew that you were merciful. I'll be honest with you. I'm just equally glad for the mercy as I am for the grace. Grace is you getting something you don't deserve, and mercy is you not getting something you do deserve. We deserve to die and go to a devil's hell, but by God's great mercy and His grace, you don't have to go. God's been good to us. Then he says, and you're slow to anger. Could you imagine being God? Because I don't know why God just don't kill those people. He, that Vladimir Putin over there, I mean, God could take him out. He's evil. He's wicked. But to be honest with you, that's, we're not God. I don't know why he does what he does. A lot of us were God. We, somebody, we just look all along the and say, But aren't you glad God's not that way? Because there's been plenty of times in my life that I should have been zzz, And God didn't zzz me. And thank God he didn't zzz you. Because he could have zzz you anytime he got ready. Because you've done plenty of stuff to get zzz over. God's been good to us. You say, what in the world are you talking about this morning? I'm talking about we've got a God that's slow to anger. He doesn't get mad easily. The reason you can't get over things is because you're not like God. We need to get like him is what we need to get. Get over it. You've done far worse to God than anybody's ever done to you. You can't worship God. You can't come to church and worship God after all he's done. He said he's of great kindness. Oh, man. Is he not? I mean, if, if, if Jonah, he doesn't need any help. He's, Jonah over here, he's defined God to a T, Brother Philip. Everything he said about him is right. He is of great kindness. Hasn't he been good to you? Isn't he kind to you? How many of you have eaten in the last 24 hours? Raise your hand. That's the kindness of God. He didn't have to feed you. God's been good to us. I mean, we might as well just face it this morning. You know what you ought to do is you ought to bow your head here in a minute when we give an invitation or come down this altar and just bow your head and say, Lord, I just want to thank you for being so kind to me. Thank you for being so good to my family and gracious and merciful and all. Thank you for not killing me even when I deserved it. <laughs> I know there's times I have. And then he says, repentance thee of the evil. How could you get mad at somebody like that? A guy that even if he sets up and says, all right, if he don't get right, I'll, I'm going to take him out and you get right. And he says, okay, I'll give him another chance. God's full of chances. He may be giving you a chance this morning. Don't get mad at God. He's not done anything wrong. People get mad at Democrats and Republicans and all that much. That's fine. But don't get mad at God. He didn't do anything wrong. He's not a politician. Turn to the Lord. He loves you and He cares about you. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. He's of great kindness. Turn to the Lord. And if you don't know the Lord is your Savior, if you're not scared to death with everything going on, you ought to be. He's coming back. He's, and I'm not talking about Kuwait and all that kind of stuff. It could be today. You better make sure you've been saved. Let's stand together and we'll have an invitation.